Hey everyone, this is MMA by Milliken, and this is a recap of UFC on ESPN 11, Blaze versus Volkanov. Okay, so, start, look, what I always say, slide some change on the underdog, and this was a underdog fest going on here, and I know in one case, with Torres, it's like, well, why was she an underdog? Well, for good reason. You know, for a good reason. You know, four consecutive losses, even though those losses weren't to bums, they were to the top, the women who are just top of the division. You know, thought process was, you know, Vianna Brand, Brianna Van Buren, first and foremost, it's not like she can't strike at all. And she's an excellent wrestler. So, I mean, I too thought maybe it would be more... Not the same as the Jessica Andrade beatdown, but in that vein. But, you know, I was like, look, the best plan for Torres was to keep her distance, you know, fire off from a distance. You know, utilize the, kick, utilize the karate in more of a kickboxer's uh, offensive way. You know, like that's the, that was the best option for her. And she utilized that option. I'm so proud of her. And uh, Rocky, Raquel Pennington, because uh, they, you know, I, uh, you know, it's not that I'm right about anything, you know what I mean? But it's just, you know, when I see it, it's like, come on, just, God, I hope someone else sees it. I hope they see it. You know, it's like, look, whatever they did before, it did not work. And stop getting mad, like in the case of Rocky, stop getting mad because someone wants to fight a certain what no one's gonna stand there and get punched in the face by her you know and she tried to grapple she tried to get her wrestling on i love it i love it like yeah that's what you do baby try you know i hope she keeps working at it you know uh with torres i think her best option because of her size is really because she's not going to get too many fighters like a brand van buren that's shorter than she is for the most part, and she could use her range on, for the most part. I, but I think her utilizing her range, the way that she did, more kickboxing, less karate, she'll, you know, she'll continue uh, surviving, basically. But as far as climbing up the rankings, that's not going to happen, unfortunately, for her. But let's start this off, okay? Austin Hubbard. Okay, I did give a warning. Speaking of underdogs, I did give a warning. You know, he has wrestling, he has grappling. So he's just, if, you know, it's going to, there's going to be some stand-up and he's going to win the stand-up, which he did. He wore Max Ruskov off, wore him, wore Max out. Uh, so who's was a heavy favorite. And of course, what's interesting about this week uh, listing of fights. It's a lot of grapplers, wrestlers slash grapplers, competing for and on on ESPN, uh, UFC on ESPN 12, and on UFC on ESPN 11. You know, there was a big criticism of Curtis Blades and wrestling. You know, uh, if you don't like wrestling, don't watch. Well, here's the thing. He's a wrestler. You know, people watch wrestlers lose on this card. Uh, Brianna Van Buren and Max Ruskoff in particular. 
I mean, they couldn't do anything with the stand-up. And Curtis, same thing, you know what I mean? He ended up getting taken down, taken down himself, but he can't solve the Francis Ngannou equation. So wrestling alone simply is not enough. I think it's a great offense to have. As I said, I, I hope that you want, man, I would love for Pennington. I mean, if, you know, Curtis wasn't such a douchebag. That's not being a hill, by the way. Being a douchebag is not being a hill, okay? But if he wasn't such an idiot, he would be, I mean, you talk about a great mentor to Van Buren. I mean, I know she's under D.C., but, man, Curtis' technique, his technique is near flawless, you know, in those first two rounds anyway. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's the problem with wrestling. I mean, Justin Gaethje is like, he's not going to wrestle because he is. It wears them out, and it does. It does. But I think that, like Pennington, for instance, she doesn't have a bad gas tank when she's in, she comes in in shape. She can get in even better shape, get her gas tank together, eat better, and yeah, and and boy, if she could get under blades, she can make it back up to the top. You know, she could. She still have. She'll still need a lot more to compete against Nunez. But it's not like she doesn't have the striking. You know what I mean? She can work on the striking. Because really with Nunez, it's just avoiding that bomb. Those bombs that she throws. But, uh, yeah, so starting off first uh, fight, we see a wrestler getting worn out. So fans of wrestling. Because, you know, I, I like grappling. You know, I've grown to truly, you know, it was started way back in the day. You know, um, as far as wrestling, I always love wrestling. You know, um, so... Because that was the whole point of, you know, like professional wrestling was following actual wrestlers, you know, transition into pro wrestling. And I always thought that was amazing because I knew that their technique would be sound, you know. Um, so, yeah, that that's I've always been a fan of wrestling. But, you know, wrestlers, grapplers need to learn how to strike. Strikers desperately need to learn how to grapple. You can't go in there just doing one. Some people, some fighters have found success doing just the one but generally speaking the problem is when they get beat by that technique you know like max holloway like Joanna mjj when you're doing the one technique and then all of a sudden you get beat you know someone beats you who can grapple and you know beats that fighter and with their own technique essentially then you know it's just going you know that downhill spiral because then you have fighters who don't even use a technique who certainly will when they go up against those individuals when they see that oh i can beat them in that vein you know same with you know we saw what happened with max went up against dustin but a lot of people just like well it's a different weight class i don't know you know as we've seen it's not a different weight class it's you know it's max getting beat out maxed <laughs> you know max holloway getting out max holloway but yeah you know and he's another individual who can't survive alone he's going to run into a, a wrestler he can't stay in that division forever um he's going to run into a wrestler or a grappler and he's going to be in trouble so yeah you know but yeah max i don't him you know him stopping why not <laughs> why why stay in there and get destroyed. That makes no sense to me. It, look. It, sure, we could argue that it's giving up. But it's like. 
Why stand there and continue getting punished? Why turn into a Thomas Gifford? Why turn, speaking of Max Holloway, why turn it into a Brian Ortega? Why end up like those individuals? Why end up like a Ioana Young? Speaking of Ioana Young, J-Chip, why end up with swelling so bad and a face so bruised that it takes a week to even heal? You know, it, that blind in one eye like that? <laughs> why? You know, Tony Ferguson, eye socket broken. It's Why? You know what I mean? There's no point. It, look, I don't have a problem with a fighter. Like, speaking of you on the MJ check, you know, my Curtis, I always will trash her for tapping the strikes because she talks so much trash to Rose. She disrespected Rose, so I'm damn sure going to disrespect her. You know, that's my girl. And then plus it's just all everything that she was doing. Because a lot of people like it because it builds up a fight. Look what happened. Those very same people who say, yeah, I like it because it builds up a fight. They're the same people who are complaining when someone like me trashes a Yoana Young J check for tapping to strikes. Yeah, I'm going to trash her every chance I get because she's a disrespectful bigot. She's a disrespectful piece of trash. That's why. I'm going to trash her every chance I get. However, however, tap out. You know, in her situation, you know, anyone, if you're talking trash and you do that, yeah, you deserve to get trash. But someone like a Max Ruskoff that just shows up and he's just trying to get some money and he's just trying to, trying to get paid, he's just trying to enter into the octagon. Hey, look, he thought what provided him so, so much success before would continue to do so further on. He learns a lesson that that's not the case. Look. I don't have a problem with that. You know what I mean? Like, you're done, you're done. And that's a situation why, to me, the fighters need to have as much control as possible, not the corner. You know, that's the one thing I do agree on with Anthony Smith in that he's the one that wants to have the control when he's in an octagon. They're there to advise him, not to tell him, per se, everything, you know, what to do, per se. You know, in some instances, like a Gray Jackson, Whatever he says, you listen to. You know, we see that with John Jones, especially in the early years. When they're talking to him, it's yes, sir, and he does what he's told. He's been successful, you know? So it's like, you know, in some instances, sure, but for the most part, they still work for the fighter. They need to know their place. It is should be up to the fighter, and the fighter needs to know everything that's going on. They need to be as prepared as possible themselves, you know, because I criticize that. Van Buren situation where, you know, it's like she doesn't really know how the her opponent fights, so she's supposed to lean exactly on her team who are supposed to yell out what commands against a fighter as fast as Torres. <laughs> Wrong division, first of all. It's not even just Torres. Wrong division. <laughs> Wrong division. That's that's something you do a heavyweight. Not at no women's straw weight where everyone is fast. Okay, there's no there's no one slow and strong except for what fleece herring, <laughs> you know what I mean. But other than that, there's no one slow in that division. And we can criticize them, sure. Oh, they're washed up or they're not the same or mediocre, whatever. They're not slow. I can't think of like a a fighter in that division uh, that's slow. You know what I mean? Paige Van Zant maybe, who's basically fi fighting at flyweight now. 
But other than that, as someone who's ranked, nah. You can't. There is too much offense is going to come towards a fighter too quickly for them not to know what to expect because they watch the videos themselves. But yeah, so Austin Hubbard, uh, he was the underdog in this matchup. Came out, uh, fight was stopped. Salary, uh, twenty-five thousand plus twenty-five thousand win bonus, and uh, he, if I'm if I see this correctly, he received 4K for a Reebok endorsement. Uh, Max, who's a favorite in that matchup, I you know, betting lines change, but I you know I had as I said I had him at the minus prior to the live betting minus 200. Uh, salary was 12,000. Reebok deal uh, 3,500. Roxy, 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 the happy warrior. You know, I, I didn't think that she did badly. I think she did have a plan going in. Uh, but problem is Murphy did too. <laughs> Murphy had a solid plan going into that matchup, uh, utilizing the low leg kicks, very um, good addition to what she was doing. And again, the striking. What I say? I know a lot of people don't have a high regard for it. Lauren Murphy. But listen, Lucky, look, she can bang. She outpointed a young, uh, about, uh, how, how should I say it? Because, you know, guys, it's young stud. How should I say it? Well, young up-and-coming talent. There we go. Young up-and-coming talent and Andrea Lee. I, I, you know, fight math doesn't work, but, like, that's something we're just looking at that one element, though. We're not looking at how she won. It was that one element. That's that's important, you know, for this, you know, I hate to be harsh, but this old woman, <laughs> you know, I'll point out again, like I said, I criticize Andrea Lee from the time of that fight, well, during, the time that the fight started, during the fight, after the fight, I still criticize her because it was more her and her lack of focus and her lack of making adjustments. I blame her more for losing the fight than crediting Lauren for winning it however still you know eight finishes via strikes as we've seen we saw Roxy stunned you know what I mean it's not impossible ain't that much of a tough it ain't nobody's chin that tough when you get hit repeatedly by someone who actually knows what they're doing Macy Barber is not that individual Lauren on the other on the other hand is and um, you don't stand and bang with her. Like, only person that should be standing and banging with her. Like, I can see a Jessica I standing and banging and actually winning the exchanges between her through speed. I can see Chukagan maybe putting something together. But even her, I would doubt her doing well. And I can see her trying to grapple with Murphy instead of uh, standing and banging. I can certainly see that also. So, um, yeah, because now Murphy... Uh, you know, now they flip spots, her and Roxy. Uh, again, another, even though Murphy was a slight, only a slight underdog, still uh, another underdog coming through. Salary for Roxy was 50000 Reebok Dell was 5000 Only uh, 44 significant strikes to 174 thrown. One takedown, though, um, it did count. But 71 out of 206 total strikes for Roxy. You know, which 
That's what I'm saying. You know, don't don't stand and bang. You know, I know she understood that she had to utilize some striking. She had to soften Murphy up in order to go in because she's not really a blitz. She doesn't really do well. Again, she's another individual who, man, could use the tutelage of a Curtis Blades, you know, to understand. I mean, even he, even he sometimes blitz too, at too far of a distance. I think that's why he keeps getting destroyed by Nagano. But um, still, you know, just I understand he said soften Murphy up, respect the, make her respect the jab so she can try and get the takedown. And again, not a bad plan from Roxy either. Just not a bad plan, bad plan at all. But you can't stand and bang. You know, was, she likes doing that. You know, that's a bad habit. She did a little too much in that last round to try. I know she's trying to do that, try with try the elbows, as the coach was saying, and um, that way she can get in close, hurt uh, Murphy, and then try to grapple. But, yeah, uh, salary for Murphy was 38000 plus another 38000 for the win bonus. Bring up to seventy six total. Reebok Dell five thousand, uh, and she was seventy two of uh, one hundred eighty eight with uh, significant strikes. Ninety two out of one seventy eight total. Uh, two out of three takedowns. I mean, just an excellent game plan from Mur Murphy and excellent execution. Now uh, Camacho, man. <laughs> Uh, only a slight underdog, but a, a slight underdog for a reason, man. He got destroyed. <laughs> oh, my God, boy. Man, 41-second KO loss for Camacho. Salary is 25000 Reebok 5000 Uh Justin uh, doing well in this matchup. Uh, as I said before, uh, live betting, he was a minus 120. Favorites, just a slight favorite, twelve thousand for his salary plus another twelve thousand win bonus. Reebok deal, uh, thirty five hundred. Jillian Robertson, oh my God, I'm I apologize for being just absolutely dead wrong. I just couldn't see it. I just didn't understand. Like how? There's no way Courtney's gonna go in there and use her range. There's no way, and she's too big. She'll stop the takedown. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> nope. And wow, not only did Jillian, uh, she was already winning by points uh, with takedowns, uh, scoring, but wow, still managed to get the sub. Four minutes, 36 seconds left on the clock. Only, if, you know, uh, on the clock. On a few uh, seconds remaining in the third round. Significant strikes, near identical for both, but the percentage favor Jillian there too. I believe she was a, yeah, 46% to Casey's 40%. Significant strikes did favor Courtney with 113 out of 153. Uh, Jillian, 25,000 plus 25,000 win bonus. Reebok, 5,000. Uh, Casey, who uh, was just a slight underdog. Uh, 53000 and a Reebok deal was $10,000. Uh, not sure why that is, but uh, yeah, there you have it. Poor Oscar. Poor Oscar. <laughs> Finish yet again. Oh, goodness. Baralt was a slight, was only, he's a slight underdog, but still the underdog. 
uh, unfortunately, you know, and, and finished uh, Oscar via strikes. Uh, in round two, left hook to the uh, uh, well, four point fifty left on the clock. Uh, salary twenty thousand uh, dollars. Reebok pay five thousand dollars for Oscar. Baralt, uh fourteen thousand plus another fourteen thousand fight bonus. Reebok four thousand dollars. Tiny Tornado. Underdog, I mean, serious underdog at plus 170, probably even more so. But, you know, live betting, I know a lot of that was changing as it went on. Uh, yeah, you know, like I said, you know, the, the Van Buren thing, you know, it's like you got to have the fighter. Well, first of all, the fighter needs to take it upon themselves to study their opponent, period. That That's not the, the man. Look, I don't care what the trainers, trainers and coach say. You're home. You fire up that phone, you fire up YouTube, and you get some, you, you know, get, come on, fight past something. You get some insight on the opponent, learn so that when the coaches tell you, okay, you're going to, because what, what did they tell her? Watch out for a left kick, watch out for this. Like, she's a karate fighter, a black belt in karate. What did they tell her to do? And she's a wrestler. So she goes in too fast, tries to blitz, she can get kicked in the face, which is what happened. It's like, what, what did he, t- you see what I'm saying by plan? I don't care what the fighter can do. What's the plan exactly? Do you know what the opponent can do? All right. It doesn't matter how many fights she lost. Do you know what she can do? How did she lose? Who did she lose to? You know, this is someone who, like Van Buren, cannot be finished for some eyeball reason. No one's been able to finish Torres, and she's already went up against the toughest women in the division. So that, well, she ain't fight such and such. No, it's, it's over. It's done with. It's no one really in the division. I can't even see Amanda Habaz finishing to see a tortoise. I can see her uh, outpointing her, sure, and winning via decision. But knocking her out? Nah. Subbing her? Not going to happen, you know what I mean? Uh, but, yeah, you see what I'm saying about that? Little details. That's why I always try to pay. You know, I give you the details. I try because I think it's so important to pay attention to the little details. So many people are like, no, you know, last fight did this or the punching power to hit a building and it collapsed. It's like, listen, stop. What's the plan? Romero versus Stylebender. What's the plan exactly? Are you just going to punch him? Listen, what's the damn plan? You're not going to punch someone <laughs> with 100 fights primarily striking it's not gonna happen okay do you have another plan you know we saw what happened there you know it's what's the plan you know so uh torres uh, 74 out of uh, 160 significant strikes to van buren's 34 out of 68 you see what i'm saying like what uh total strikes 111 out of 199 my god to Van Buren's uh, 37 out of 71 uh, salary for Torres, uh, 48000 plus another 48000 win bonus, and Reebok was $10,000. Van Buren uh, did score two takedowns out of seven. Two did count. Uh, significant strikes, 50% um, for her, which isn't bad. Salary uh, fourteen thousand dollars and Reebok thirty five hundred. Bobby Green, 
throughout the entire fight, I was just like, I don't, is this good plan? Hands a little low. Hands are way low, but hey, he did another individual who came in with a plan. He truly did study Clay, Clay Guida, and he knew that the wrestling was going to come. I mean, he's a jiu-jitsu practitioner himself, so, you know, wasn't in a lot of danger, you know, but he really did prepare because he wanted to make sure those takedowns didn't count just in case he couldn't sub Guida, and Guida is tough. He's tough. I mean, he just got caught bad by Jim Miller. And, I mean, it's Jim Miller. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? If you don't know what you're doing, you're getting subbed. It's Jim Miller. So, uh, Bobby Green um, was a heavy favorite in this matchup and showed why he was pretty one-sided. Uh, uh, unanimous. It's pretty much pretty one-sided fight right there. Um, Clay did a few things, but pretty much was all Bobby Green. Salary, 36000 plus another 36000 Reebok. 10,000 uh, for him. Clay Guida, the uh, legend, 73,000. No shock there. Reebok, 20,000. Again, no surprise there. Speaking of Jim Miller, who headlined the, who uh, started off, kicked off our main uh, main card. You know, again, like I said, you, you, you well, in this situation, I want to say, no, don't know what you're doing. I would say you make a mistake which is what uh, Roosevelt Roberts did. He made a mistake and paid for it. Uh, Jim got yet another submission when he was a heavy. And when I say put some money on the underdogs, he came in at a plus 190 underdog. Man, if you're smart enough to do the parlay for the submission, bam, got you made money. Uh, uh, $200,000, you know, he got the uh, win his salary plus the win bonus, so he totaled two hundred and eight thousand dollars. He, I believe, he was the top earner of the entire card. Uh, no, wait, wait. Well, he's in top one of the top earners out of the entire card. Uh, and Reebok deal was twenty thousand dollars. Roosevelt uh, was a heavy favorite in this matchup. Twenty five thousand dollars for his salary. Reebok was five thousand dollars. Bilal Mohammed. Successful in his uh, decision uh, victory over Lehman Good. Both, uh, I had them both at dead even in terms of the spread uh, salary for Bilal, $50,000 plus another $50,000 bonus. He made out well, plus $10,000 for Re from Reebok. Good, a salary $28,000, Reebok $5,000. Uh, Marion renewed, uh, yeah, versus Pennington, you know, yeah. I mean, even with her, you know, not a, not a necessarily a bad plan. She, you know, she is already going in kind of at a detriment because she it was hard for her, even though her striking and her kickboxing wasn't bad at all, isn't bad at all. And I was surprised that she went in, like, straight up, like, trying to throw down. I mean, <laughs> people made the joke, you know, remember when Holly Holm didn't want to stand and bang with Raquel Billington? Well, you don't do it, you know, if you, you know, if you don't have to. I mean, look, Rocky is called Rocky for a reason. You know, she, she throws down, you know what I mean? She throws some bombs in there when she can. So, uh, yeah, I, I was very surprised that uh, Marianne, um, yeah, she was, she came ready to go with her striking. You know, she, she didn't, um, 
shy away from that at all. Uh, just just a more well-rounded uh, offense coming from Pennington, thankfully. Uh, something that I, you know, I was talked about in a uh, previous episode that, you know, that's she, I think she could be a good grappler, uh, especially on the offensive end of, I don't know about her working off of her back per se, jujitsu style, but I think in a more, uh, more classic wrestling, I think she can do it. Um, she tried, um, you know, it wasn't bad at all. She tried, which was fantastic. I think if she can, keeps doing that, she's the one person who, you know, she's in her thirties now, you know how I feel about the 30s, you know, being in those 30s, because a lot of it's hard for fighters to change. A lot of people just in general, just in life, period, become stuck in their ways at that age. A lot of people think it's like 50, 60. It's like, no, 30s, a lot of individuals get stuck in their ways, and especially fighters and their fighting technique, because it's like, why not do what's been working for them so many times in the past? And it's like, no, you know, not always. Some it works. No, and we've seen the best have to change. Some fighters like a Valentin Shachenko has a little bit of everything. But even her, you know, because I, I think that a true, a good grappler can get her on the ground. I don't know about Cynthia Calvillo, but I think that is the one key because, again, she's like stylebender. You can't go in there and try to outstrike someone with the amount of fights under her belt and championships under her belt that she has. Uh, but yeah, a great fight between those two ladies. Salary for Marion is thirty-eight thousand. Reebok is ten, ten thousand dollars. Pennington scored big here. A Reebok deal was ten thousand dollars also, but sixty-three thousand uh, for her salary got another sixty-three thousand for her win bonus. Man, Shane. Chin of Steel Burroughs. <laughs> what the man? My man, Josh Emmett. Money every time. And I know a lot of people are like, no, nah, man, listen. He lost that fight. Ah, whatever. <laughs> whatever, man. Whatever. Hey, look what I say. You, you, look. First of all, first of all, you see why, even though I'm, I'm, you know, I like Josh Emmett as a fighter, he's good for money every time, every single time. I was, you know, I did say on the podcast, I don't know about him winning this fight. You know, I did say that on the podcast. So I gave people a heads up. Like, look, I didn't know about him winning this fight, man. Shane is no joke. And we seen, now I didn't know about his chin, but you know, as far as the striking goes, yeah, I, I thought this was going to be a tough fight for Josh. And it was, um, he was trying to throw the kitchen sink at, um, Shane and, and Shane was just taking it and kept on pushing. Um, so, I mean, Hey, look, this, that's one of those fights where even though Shane lost, it is totally ignored. You know, if he wants to, you know, further up the rankings, he went up against someone, you know what I mean? If he wants to, he's somebody who would just, man, if I was controlling rankings, he would stay, you know, Josh has an opportunity now to move up further, but yeah, Shane will stay right there where he's at. That's not a bad loss at all. 75000 uh, dollars salary for Shane. Uh, Reebok deal was five thousand dollars. Josh uh, seventy six thousand plus another seventy six for his win bonus, and Reebok deal five thousand dollars for him. Uh, Blades. So um, 
so yeah, yeah, it looks like Blades uh, ninety thousand plus his ninety thousand. So yeah, Jim Miller was the uh, top earner on this event. So yeah, um, Blades ninety thousand dollars plus another ninety thousand dollars for his win bonus, ten thousand dollars for the fourth ranked uh, man in uh, his fourth rank, fourth ranked in his fourth straight victory. Uh, Volk salary was eighty thousand dollars and Reebok five thousand dollars. So yeah, um, and yeah, you know it's it's. So here's the thing: it's, as we've seen, you know, wrestlers have struggled, struggled during this event. Okay, so to say that that's then on be all, it's not. I like it. I love it as a technique. I think so many strikers need it, like Pennington. Um, but you don't. It, it, all he did was score a takedown. It was a beautiful, beautifully executed takedown. Um, and people see why so many of us say, look, he's the best wrestler in, right now. DC, sure, of all time or, or you know what I mean? It, sure, he, he's, we're talking about right now, though. Right now, as it stands, to go in there now and wrestle at heavyweight, okay? Because he's wrestling, you know, majority of what he was doing was, Light heavyweight, not heavyweight. Okay. It, it's Curtis. You know what I mean? Like, it's the C we're talking about. Way more athletic. Way more athletic. Okay. Um, Experience-wise, of course, DC is, is no joke and all that kind of stuff. Um, but beautiful, beautiful uh, technique and execution. But the thing is, it's just a takedown. That's all he did. It, it, we're not talking about the full range of wrestling. That's talking about the full range of grappling. Okay. All he did was execute a takedown, and he ended up in Volk's guard damn near the entire time. That's a mistake. That's a bunch of mistakes being made over and You don't do the takedown and end up in a person's guard repeatedly. Even Jillian Anderson made sure that she was never in danger of being in Casey's guard at all. At a certain point, especially in the later round, you know, the third round, she made sure she wasn't even in Casey's guard, if I remember correctly. She wasn't even really in Casey's guard at all, made sure that she couldn't, Casey couldn't even establish guard. That's what you got to do, even with the takedown. Get the hell out of there, you know what I mean? Or do the takedown in a different way so that you get the, per you know, he can always do a leg sweep, clinch, leg sweep, side control, you know what I mean? Like, don't end up in a person's guard. It's very hard to, uh, as he saw, as we've seen, as he experienced, it's very hard to do ground and pound. Especially him, he wants to drop elbows. Very hard, difficult to do that against someone, especially inside someone's guard, and especially someone with the leverage that Volk has. Very difficult to do. Okay, it's not, that's exactly how Kevin Lee, because I want to bring up Kevin Lee and him scoring takedowns against Tony Ferguson. Okay, but each time he ended up in Ferguson's guard, and what happened? He got some. He got subbed. He got subbed. You don't do that against someone with jujitsu, period. But especially not someone who made their way past white belt. Okay, you don't do it. All right, and he got taken down at a certain point. No, 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 no. Curtis still has a lot to work on. He has to get his striking together. All right. He's never going to beat Nagano until he does that. Because striking isn't about just throwing punches. It's about understanding how, once he does it and understands it, 
he'll understand what his opponent can do to him or is doing to him. Because right now he can't see it. He doesn't understand it. That's why he keeps getting caught by Nagano. Because he just doesn't understand it. He would get trashed by Stipe. Okay, his 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 striking is mediocre. I know the elbows and everything. His striking is mediocre compared to Stipe. And a lot of people say, well, yeah, it's a, no, it's no, well, yeah, nothing. This dude is still top ranked. He's about to face one of these individuals. It makes no, he, he could face one more person and that's it. Okay, he's back in title contention. This dude's going to get put in the hospital if he doesn't change things around, period. That's just the way it is. Moreover, Francis doesn't have to fight this dude at all. He could dis- completely dismiss him. He finished. It wasn't just a win. He fin- Not only did he finish, he finished. It, it, the, the, he, he crushed Curtis worse the second time around than he did the first time around. And here's the thing. Francis is evolving. He's more of a counterpuncher now. I mean, he didn't do that against uh, Drazinho, but... He is more of a counterpuncher now. He has evolved. He's going to continue to evolve. Plus, he himself can grapple. Okay? Imagine, that, look, Francis, especially in that first round, if by some stretch of imagination Curtis can finally score a takedown, he'll probably end up getting caught in a guillotine and getting his head snapped. This dude is entirely too strong. Nagano is entirely too strong. He's entirely too powerful. He's always, man, listen, <laughs> he is not no Volkanov, okay? Uh, Volkov, I'm sorry. It, look, Curtis got to make some change. He got to change in a lot of ways. He got to get his mind straight. He's not a heel. He's just an annoying little twit. Well, not little. He's a big man, but he's an annoying twit. That's not being a heel, Okay. And he does have to get things together. Okay, beautiful technique and everything, but it's a takedown. Okay, that's it. He needs to get his grappling together. He needs to get some submit. He needs to learn. He can get a submit. He can get a, so much that could be done once he stops getting ending up in someone else's guard. So many things he can do from top mount instead of the same thing over and over again. Okay, never do the same thing over and over again. Okay, figure out something else, honestly. You know, it's because it's, it's not going to work going forward. You know, it's not the same as Amanda Nunez, who doesn't have anyone else to fight, really, except for one more person, who now may lose via decision, and she ends up in a rematch that she doesn't work and probably retire, which I wouldn't blame her because it's like, why fight Holly Holm again? She already knocked her out as soon as the fight started. Wow, wait, that's, get the paycheck, sure. Well, you want to talk about a waste of time. Nobody wants to rematch on, you know, against someone who doesn't deserve it at all. You know, but other, you know, other than her, a lot of fighters, you know, in terms of evolving, they have people that they have to fight and they need to evolve. And Curtis is one of those individuals. Okay. But yeah, that's it for this recap. Still not a bad, uh, you know, bad night of fights. As I said, it's not going to be as good as a previous fight because those people, you know, those fighters, they're trying to make a name for themselves. Not the same as this, but yeah, it was just a, a just a wide array of bad matchups. <laughs> you know, just a just a long list of bad matchups. But yeah, 
uh, that's it for that recap. Okay, so I just want to do a quick uh, Submission Underground 15 recap. I, I just can't believe that, I, you know, that's, that's why, you know, you talk about hating individuals and everything, you know, it's, you just can't stay hating certain individuals. It's hard. And sometimes it's just a waste of time, you know. Uh, now, I think my hatred for uh, Luke Rockhold will always be there. Brendan Schaub has not given me a reason to stop hating him at all. I'm so glad I muted him in life. He is blocked in in my, in the universe, you know what I'm saying? Like, in life itself, all right? Um, uh, you know, uh, well, well, like I say Joe Rogan, for instance. Like, my criticism to Joe Rogan, because a lot of people just they weren't, they weren't there. They didn't hear all the comments, um, like when he was him and Goldie. Uh, a lot of he improved being around fighters. Period. Like a lot of people act like he knew everything he was doing because he was, you know, did martial arts himself. But it's like, look, this dude wasn't all the way around martial artists. But again, these same individuals are first one to tell someone like me, well, you haven't competed in the actual octagon. Fighters, too. You haven't competed in the actual octagon and the actual UFC, so you don't know what you're talking about. Well, guess what? Neither has Joe Rogan. When did Joe Rogan step into the octagon to fight anyone? Don't hand me that. You know what I mean? But, no, he, you know, his commentary, things like that, he got a lot of help from Randy Couture, Frank Mir, DC now. Like, it's... He's always been an issue in terms of his commentary. So, you know, his YouTube show, I'm not surprised. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I warn people. Oh, no, man, you leave Joe alone. Or whatever, man. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, you know, in other words, I'm not wasting my time. Whether it's good or bad, I'm not wasting my time. I already told people how he was. So if he says something off the wall, I'm, psh, I already told you. I'm not wasting my time even engaging in a conversation about it. No matter what it is. But uh, Chell Sonnen was one of those individuals that I just could not. Another individual who I just was like, I can't stand this dude. Don't like him. This whole Rick Flair, poor man's Ric Flair shtick. It's like, come on, man. Ain't going to try that against Anderson Silva? <laughs> Whatever, man. However, I did believe that he was going to give Anderson problems. I didn't know about beating him, but I did think that he was going to give Anderson problems because I thought he was a... Uh, a good matchup for him. I figured that Anderson would make a lot of adjustments and finish him in that rematch. Uh, but, you know, yeah, you know, credit to Chell in that situation, in that scenario. But, yeah, I never, you know, I always hated that dude. But, wow, him, Michael Bisbing, I mean, I went from hating, hatred to just being one of their uh, just uh, strongest fans. You know what I mean? Like, not strongest fans. It sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> a big fan big fan um, of both. Uh, I love Chell Sonnen's uh, submission underground. Love it. Love, I mean, I like, I like programs like this anyway. I love the quintet series. I just loved all the, uh, I, I miss, if there's one thing I missed from last year in terms of uh, just combat sports, it would be all the grappling competitions. Um, I loved, I love how just you had these random fighters would show up who you didn't think would like, wait, who's this? Uh, you know, a lot of fights went as predicted. Like, okay, it's great that they showed up, but wow, they're going to get subbed as soon as this starts. And yeah, it happens. And you're like, eh, well, I mean, you know, but it's still exciting to see. I, I love it, man. I love it, love it, love Because, you know, some in, in some situations like a submission underground, it's a lot of long time 
you know, like Herberto Jimenez. It's like that name's been around forever. You know, you always heard that name when it came to grappling. And uh, so, you know, a lot of individuals aren't surprised. I wasn't surprised who showed up. You know, Jay Shields, that's not a surprise. You know what I mean? When someone, when a GSP says, look, this dude right here, the best dude I have, you know, I know of, he's the best dude. <laughs> you know what I mean? He showed uh, as long as he lasted on uh, submission underground before his last loss. Uh, but yeah, I, I, you know, a lot of individuals, it's like, yeah, we, we, yeah, I know he would show up or she would show up. You know what I mean? But it, it is great to see just individuals like a just guy show up all of a sudden you know um yeah this this was i just i love his program i love this stuff. i uh chel son and, and like him even just his oh man his you now it's times you know on his youtube channel especially starting now he's trying to do the character and he's trying to brag and talk trash but when he shares his knowledge his old stories are hilarious i love them they're informative and uh and I love those, you know, especially when he talks about someone who's still fighting that he knew of or interacted with. Those little details are so important. I just think that when you're evaluating fights, a lot of people, you know, it's just about who's the favorite or who they like and they go from there. But to me, when you try to get started getting into details, you need to have as many details as possible, especially when money is involved. And my program is focused not on, it's not about my picks, it's not about bragging. Because sometimes you notice, it doesn't even sound like I even actually gave a pick. <laughs> I'm just giving you details. And it's not even like I'm really giving you my take or my pick. Or sometimes I give you an opinion on uh, something. But, but for the most part, it's just advice. It's not really uh, my take or anything like that. Uh, but, you know... um. Yeah, I, I really like uh, his program. I really do like his program. So uh, what I wanted to uh, talk about was that, uh, the again, speaking of money, speaking of money, I wish I would have did this uh, a preview for you guys instead of a recap, so to give you a heads up. Um, because uh, Hunter Calvin was a minus two, a 125. He was just a slight favorite over Adam Bradley. Uh, Nathan O'Cart was a uh, underdog plus, uh, of course, he's going to be a pl uh, underdog plus 170 against H Herberto Jimenez, who was a minus 200 for a reason, as we saw. He ended up defeating Hunter. Uh, and then we have Warren Brooks, who is a plus 225 underdog against Mason Fowler, obviously. Uh, minus 265 there. Adam Viella Varela was a plus 190. Cody still was a minus 225. Jessica I, obviously a plus uh, 250. But she didn't do all that bad. She didn't do all that bad against uh, Amanda Lowen, uh, who was a huge favorite at minus 325 for a reason. But, uh, yeah, Jessica stepped in, uh, went into overtime, you know. Uh, I think it was a two... Point two seconds first round. It was the armbar, I believe. Uh, and then uh, Amanda is going to come back July 12th, apparently against Jillian Robertson. Yeah, <laughs> buddy. Yes, sir. Yep, only front center for that. And of course, 
Craig Jones minus 500. I wouldn't be surprised if it was a minus 1,000 on this card versus Gabriel uh, Checo, who's a plus 400. Uh, full mount, uh, one fifteen seconds. Got out of the uh, Checo got out of the guillotine, I believe. No, Craig Jones. Yeah. So uh, full mount RNC. Um, just a great, great fight right there. Uh, I don't know what the hell happened with Jimenez though. He, I didn't understand why he stood up. I like, don't stand. What are you doing? Because I guess he didn't realize. I guess it was reflexing. It was like, oh, I got to get out of this. And it's like, no, you're being timed. This is the, you know, this is the going into, you know, after overtime, it's time, you know, after a certain point, it's the timing of, you know, how long it takes to get out of the uh, submission. And yeah, and he just, ah, oh, and he stood up. I'm like, what the hell happened there? Um, so now it's, um, so now I'm moving on, and uh, we'll see who ends. I, you know, I think Craig Jones is going to win again. You know, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, Fowler did his thing also, so uh, we'll see how this next thing uh, works out. But yeah, uh, it was great. It's great to see, especially ladies. You know, it's great seeing the the ladies. You know, big as you know, I'm a big WMMA fan. So always nice to see the ladies. I hope to see more ladies, more women participate in this. Uh, just, uh, you know, it's just a great program. And I mean, I really truly do believe that his program is a reason why Dana pushed to have these fights. Because this is like his third, if I'm not mistaken, this is Shell's third event during uh, the pandemic. You know, during, well, I wouldn't say pandemic, more so because the pandemic may last for the rest of the year, right? Uh, you know, during the uh, quarantine. You know, um, so I, I think I truly do believe that that kind of burnt Dana, and that's why he pushed to, to have these fights, and he was just losing his mind trying to uh, have these fights because Chell, you know, just kept kept turning it out, kept turning it out. Yeah, you know, so, uh, and, and, the, and the show itself is improving. You know, more previews now, you know, got the announcer working. I'm like, okay, chill. I see you. I see what you're doing there, bro. Okay. So, yeah, uh, just a great program. Great program. And, um, yeah, I just, uh, wow, I never thought I would ever look forward to uh, Michael Bisbing saying anything. It's it's to the point now, because before I was just kind of, I would glance at his post, but, you know, he caught my attention because he was interacting with fans, even when he was bashing them for for good reason. That's the thing. He was bashing them for good reason. Each and every time that I've seen, he was trashing someone for a good, just a lot of douchebags. It's like, come on, man. Like, late. go go back to sleep. But he, you know, so that was one thing, you know, where, you know, uh, you know, you know, he, he's still interacting with the fans. Even if he's trashing them for good reason, he's interacting with them, you know. So that was the first thing I noticed. He interacted with me. And, uh, but, yeah, it was, um, yeah, and him uh, supporting Black Lives Matter. I mean, he's just, I, I never thought I would look forward to not only him commenting. I knew he would probably be a good, if he could start with the character, you know what I mean, be regular Michael, Michael Bisping, he would be a good announcer, a good uh, commentator. 
but uh yeah i never thought i would really i mean i'm looking f i mean looked forward to uh, his tweets uh anything that he posts um, on social media period his videos now um great video uh him and a few other fighters teaming up uh, i believe it was the same video with rose namahunez angela hill of course uh, and a few others who supported uh, Black Lives Matter, and just against racism, period. Um, and he's been uh, very vocal on social media, being against it, always constantly speaking out on that, speaking out on police brutality. Uh, yeah, just I never thought, you know, you just never know. It's crazy. Two uh, fighters that I, I grew up, you know, I, I hated. Some fighters I still don't like, but, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I'm, you know, I'm glad that uh, I changed my tune. Uh, yeah, but I never thought Chell Sonnen and Michael Bisbee looking forward to their content. Uh, crazy, 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 crazy. But yeah, it was a great night of fights. Hey guys, it's MMA by Milliken. This is episode 13. Got finished doing the recaps and here we're moving on to UFC on ESPN 12. Ah... Uh, Ten fights now. Ten fights. So now there's no early prelims. So and I'm doing this before the weigh-ins. <laughs> so we might end up with only nine fights on this card. Yeah. Uh this is tough. This is tough. But hey, you know what? We get to Hooker versus Poirier that much more faster, right? So I'm doing this prior to the weigh-in, so I have no idea if we even want to get ten fights, but I'm doing the breakdown of the fights that we have left. So starting out, we have Kay Hansen from Invicta, who was, uh, you know, after her victory over Pearl Rosen, she's going to go up against the strawweight, you know, go for the strawweight strap. But here she is in the strawweight division at the UFC. We have Jin Yu Frey making her debut as well. Maverick apparently is injured. And, uh, and they can't get a replacement for Borella, which sucks. That truly does suck. She's trying to make a quick turnaround after her loss to Courtney Casey. So, let's get right into it. Uh, numbers change. You know, I always say that the numbers change, but the numbers that I have right now is that Hanson is the favorite in this matchup, minus 179. Frey is a plus 151 for a good reason. Hanson will probably just grab her as she did Pirazone. And because Frey won't manage, probably won't manage her distance as she should. Get tackled and get on the ground, possibly subbed in the first round. Who knows? However, Frey, a more evolved Frey, should manage distance. She needs to figure out how to manage distance. Otherwise, she's going to get destroyed in the strawweight division. In terms of development, I mean, going to the contender series or something like that, we we have individuals on the contender series that we've seen throughout this entire quarantine, these quarantine cards, since it began, there's been nothing but contender series alumni on there. And they've either done well or they failed. And more importantly, you have fighters who've been fighting for years that they put on the contender series, if, you know, and it didn't make much of a difference. You know, to me, strawweight is just, it's just too many good fighters in women's strawweight 
for there to be some way for Kay to kind of get her more victories in. There's a lot of grapplers in strawweight in the UFC. Van Buren, uh, she can go up against her. She can go up against, uh, she needs to go up against to test her chops up against uh, high-level jiu-jitsu practitioners, period. Uh, and she herself, her making her way up to black belt is something that she'll be doing outside of the UFC and inside the UFC together. Uh, and then she she can also make, hopefully she'll make an appearance on the uh, Chael Sonnen's uh, Submission Underground to get her chops, you know, in. But uh, yeah, there's no, Strawway is just too many, uh, too many dangerous fighters in Strawway. No, I haven't, I don't care where it's at. I don't care what company is for, what promotion and a rough thing about strawweight, a rough fight is a rough fight for certain fighters, period. It has nothing to do with rankings. It has nothing to do with experience. That's just how it always has been. Now, the dilemma of Adam Waite, I just don't think that there's enough fighters for Adam Waite. Michelle Waterson, I don't think she can make Adam Waite anymore. I think she would end up cutting to, you know, it, it, that would be a tough 15, you know, well, tough 10 pounds for her at this point, I believe. Because she's mostly muscle at this point. She, uh, same with Tessia Torres. Torres came in at the straw weight limit of 116 for her matchup against Van Buren. So that's, you know, like they're past that point of cutting to me. Uh, also, uh, even Frey, if I remember correctly, when she went up against Ashley Cummings, she came in heavy. And that would be a problem anyway. If they made an Adam weight division, you would have a bunch of straw weights dangerously cutting weight to try and get an advantage because to me that was Michelle Waterson's advantage her that five foot three she was still around one of the bigger girls in Adam weight to me Frey is the same way bigger girl in Adam weight she's slightly height slight height size difference between her and Ashley to have that that reach advantage you know height and reach advantage that's that would still be a problem if they had an Adam weight division in the UFC we're, that's the problem with strawweights that they have flyweights hiding in that hiding in that division. The most notable is Joanna Yemjacek. She is a flyweight. She has no business being in strawweight, being up a bunch of little smaller women. It's ridiculous. She's a flyweight, beating up a bunch of atom weights. It's, it's ridiculous. But um, yeah, kick her out. Kick the rest of them out. Keep them in flyweight. Same with flyweight. Kick out the bantamweights. Kick out uh, Chukagan. Kick out Jessica I. Kick them out. Put them where they belong. You know, I, I, I cannot stand fighters who intentionally cut weight like that because they, they think it gives them an advantage. That's why I have no sympathy when they lose. You know, I have no sympathy for Jessica I and none for Chukagan losing to flyweights. But, and above all else, Quarantine cards, there's no, it's whoever shows up. The part reason why we have 10 fights on here, aside from the injury, is because uh, Ramiz, well, that's a change. Um, fight was switched around with, uh, we have Takashi fighting Jason Witt now because Ramiz, corner man, tested positive for COVID-19. It's whoever shows up at this point. Sadly, but those days of us being able to say, yeah, make this fight or make that fight. Those days are over. Sadly, I truly believe they're over because it's whoever isn't sick, whoever's corner person or themselves don't test positive. 
whoever's still healthy and whoever just plain wants to do it. Because <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of fighters just like, you know what? I'm good. I'll just go get a regular job. You know, and then we have a lot of fighters who are like uh, Ashley Cummings, who are essential workers. She's a police officer. So, you know, that's another issue. But, uh, yeah, so uh, the former Invicta Adamway champion, 5'3", as I mentioned, 65-inch reach. Well, they're pretty much the identical in terms of height and reach. 3-2 and two in our last five, 9-4 and four overall. And then we have... Kay Hansen, who is a purple belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Same height, as I said. Three-fight, one-streak. Uh, she does have two finishes via strikes, uh, along with her three subs and two decision victories there. I, I favor uh, Hansen in this matchup, but I can see Frey, an evolved Frey, will keep, maintain distance, pick her shot slow at down because she's someone who doesn't do a lot of volume per se she tries to get those heavy hits in there but she did well in terms of volume against ashley to me even though ashley won that fight to me still she didn't do bad in terms of matching the volume there uh, so uh she maintains that distance more kickboxing range she could sneak away with a decision victory so i don't i don't I won't, you know, knock her chances at all. Now, Jordan Griffin, 18 and 7. Now, you know, even in all fairness to him, uh, you know, he's coming off of the native cycle, is coming off of a guillotine choke victory, but prior to that was on a two-fight losing streak. But it was two two tough fighters. Uh, As far as I know, he and... Yusef Zalau, virtually identical in terms of height and reach there. Both have, uh, you know, most majority of the wins are by submission. So now, you know, in a lot of situations, we have grapplers, you know, two grapplers in there ends up being striking, you know, because one, a lot of times they don't want to, go to the ground and one outclasses the other, <laughs> you know? So it's like, it might be, you know, striking exchanges here. Hopefully it's a good fight. You know, uh, I do, eh, I don't know. I kind of favor Zalau in this matchup, but I can certainly see uh, Griffin getting it done there are, he's just a slight, slight favorite in this matchup. Now, I'm sure the numbers have changed, as always. I know the numbers may have changed, but yeah, I have them. Uh, Griffin at a minus 120. Uh, Zalau, 108. Again, this earlier in the week. We'll see how that goes. Now, next up, as I mentioned, so let me just uh, make a correction up. So apparently Miranda, it's she couldn't get a clearance uh, possibility, possible injury. So she couldn't get clearance to fight. So, um, yeah, not sure what happened there. And, yeah, no way to get a last-minute replacement for Borella. And speaking of replacements, so, yeah, Jason Witt, 
is uh, now Takashi's opponent. He was the underdog. He was the plus 145 underdog prior to this. Uh, 73-inch reach. Uh, height, basically, it looks like Takashi, about 5'11". Uh, Jason, 6 feet tall. Sato is 3-2 and two in his last 5. And Jason is on a 4-fight win streak. Most of his victories coming by way of decision in his last nine fights. He really has only lost one time via strikes. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, poor Takashi. Yeah, but, you know, again, mostly by way of decision. Probably will get out point here. So, yeah, I don't really favor Takashi in this matchup. Really don't favor him in this matchup. Now, there's supposed to be a catchweight, a agreed catchweight at, of 150 between Sean Woodson and Kyle Nelson. But apparently, so apparently the sniper, Sean Woodson, is going to face Julian Erosa. Uh, Kyle Nelson is out. Now I have Sean listed as six foot two, seventy-eight inch reach, twenty-eight years old, forty-three percent striking accuracy, eighty-five percent takedown defense so far, and seventy percent striking defense. He is yet alum another alumni from the contender series. Majority of victories coming by decision. One of his TKO victories was by flying knee, 1.42, uh, 1 minute, 42 seconds, second round over Terrence McKinney in the Contender Series 2019. He does have a submission guilty victory over Kevin Brown Jr. Uh, so, yeah, um, I guess it's still going to be, as far as I know, it's still catch weight. For uh, with his matchup against uh, Julian uh, Arosa, but either way, look, he sent up the signal like, Look, catch weight, let's how you feel. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm talking about. I don't have a problem with that at all. I love it, I love it to death. I wish everyone would do it. Uh, Arosa, who uh, now as far as now, who had dropped to featherweight to face Grant uh, Dawson. Now, prior to his uh, submission victory over A.J. Bryant, he was on a three-fight losing streak. 23-9 uh, and nine overall, 10 finishes via strikes. Uh, lost five times via strikes, four decisions, two and three in his last five, two and four in the UFC. Now, Sean it was the favorite, minus 205 uh, when he was scheduled against Kyle Nelson. I don't have who was a plus 165 in this matchup. Uh, no doubt he'll be still be the favorite in this matchup as well. And uh, he should, you know, he, he should be. So, I mean, again, but with these... <laughs> Last-minute replacements, things like that. No prep time. 
who knows what in the world. I'm not going to sit up here and say, yeah, this person, who knows what's Because I still don't, you know, don't know what condition these guys are going to be in. Uh, even with the ladies, even with the ladies, you know, I would not be surprised if Hanson gasses. <laughs> you know, because I, I just, you know, cardio has been, you know, I've been harping on cardio since the very beginning. Because this is just unusual circumstances. The added stress of getting tested and wondering, knowing whether or not you're positive or someone in your corner is positive, will you lose someone in terms of your trainers or coach, as we have seen. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so let's get to a fight that we do know. I do know. Well, here, here we go. We don't know what the over and under would be for the, this previous fight, but here Tanner and uh, Felipe came in at a minus 115 piece. I'm sure that number has changed. Uh, but, yeah. And it looks like there will be the co-main event with Violent Bob Ross and Kama Worthy headlining the prelims. So, this is a heavyweight battle, and Felipe is 14-4. and four. Uh, Just fought Andre Olaski at UFC Fight Night. Uh, Smith versus Texterra, we all saw that. Uh, where he lost by decision, um, Andre looked very good in that matchup. Well, you know, good for an old-ass man. 79-inch <laughs> reach. Black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu from Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Former professional fighter league 2008 heavyweight tournament champion his three losses at Bellator ended in a TKO a Bellator 112 knee injury uh, 4-1 in his last five 0 and one in the UFC next up is the former ACB heavyweight champion the Bull Dozer who showed how tough he was Tough, tough, tough going up against Serial Gain, who came in at basically a different fighter. He's ever evolving. Uh, so Tanner had prepared for, and that's why fight math doesn't work. You know, who the fighter was in a previous fight, they could have made a ton of adjustments for the next matchup. I hope Frey makes some, a lot of adjustments for this, her matchup. And here we saw Serial Gain just a, uh, you know, forever evolving, but Tanner held his ground. That toughness is very important. It stays standing. Oh, man, Bozer, will he takes this fight against uh, Lenz if it stays standing. The smart thing for Felipe to do, of course, is to use that jiu-jitsu and get Tanner to the ground, but it's heavyweight. So, yeah, you know what that means. Gas tanks are failing. <laughs> Three and two in his last five. One and one in the UFC. Eight finishes via strikes. Two subs. Seven decisions. Uh, five losses by decision. One uh, finish via strikes. So, yeah, uh, that probably won't be an exciting fight right there, unfortunately. Uh, and just on a side note, um, I really didn't favor Miranda Maverick, even though she's a favorite in her fight against Barella. I didn't, I don't, didn't favor her for that fight, and I certainly don't favor her in flyweight. No, no, it's like, yeah, because she needs more development. No, 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 no. 
Okay, uh, grapplers in particular, you know, I think it's easier to teach a striker to grapple because they, they'll learn their lesson. You know, like Angela Hill, for instance, they'll learn their lesson. You know, they'll get taken down to the ground and they'll under, understand that they need to get their ground skills together. Whereas with wrestlers, we'll stick with wrestling. Yeah, it's just a lot of wrestlers, and the thing about wrestlers, if they turn into strikers early in their career, or early, especially in her, their UFC career, find success, they almost abandon the wrestling. You know, it's so to me, or, or they just keep doing it to nauseam. You know, um, because it's a, a great way to get out of the striker's advantage. You know, what I mean, it's a good way to keep from getting knocked out. But uh, Barella, you know, she. You know, she, Barella does, she's not actually bad on the ground at all. So, uh, you know, she just made that, mis really a mistake. It wasn't that Courtney was just a better grappler. She just, it was more Barella making a rookie mistake. But, uh, yeah, I just wanted to add my little two cents there. Finishing out the uh, main event for the prelims is someone who I always enjoy seeing, and that is Violent Bob Ross. Luis Pena, eight and two, 26 years old, six, six foot two, 60, uh, 76 inch reach from Naples, Italy. Blue belt, speaking of jujitsu, blue belt in jujitsu, coming off a decision when I believe that's the one he apologized for, Steve Garcia, uh, back in February. Three and two in his last five, four and two in the UFC, both losses by split decision. Uh, and, uh, you know, and the thing is, to me, he didn't do enough against Matt Frivola. But, you know, he saw, he, he talked about it. He was like, you know, we saw him gesturing and not the guy, but he talked about it afterwards. Like, you know, that one, you know, just that one, it only takes one sequence to change the outcome of a fight. He saw it, which is great. Um, I just, I love his humility, uh, his, how humble he is. And uh, I love that he, you know, I, just, I love when fighters scrutinize their performance, not to the point where it's like, you know, they're trashing themselves. Like, man, I suck and this sucks and I apologize. You know, sometimes, you know, a lot of fighters have been doing that uh, lately, which is good. But it's like, OK, you didn't do that bad, though. You know, there's nothing wrong with playing safe once in a while. You don't have to, you know, put on a show every time. And uh, speaking of that, he did uh, violent ball. Von Bob, Bob Ross did mention, because this fight is at lightweight, a change for him. He did mention, you know, lightweight is a division where you got to have some exciting fights. And to me, you know, you don't don't force the issue. <laughs> you know, I mean, Common Worthy is still a dangerous opponent. That's not someone that you go and, and try to trade with because you want to have an exciting performance. So I'm, I'm worried about Bob in this matchup. So I think he might, even though I think if he... His striking, he's still, you know, with his reach, height, and everything, I think that even at lightweight, he can do a lot with his range and not just rely on the ground. Plus, lightweight is filled with grapplers, so he, you know, he'll, he'll have to get his striking together anyway, which isn't bad, but I just don't, you know, I just hope he doesn't want to go in there and start tries to do a lights out with comma worthy. Who is 15 and 6. You know. Made his debut. 
in style, as the count would say. It was a huge favorite against Dante Smith. The Death Star is on a six-fight win streak. Shorter than Bob Ross, if I'm not mistaken. 74-inch reach. Nine, which isn't bad. Nine finishes via strikes. Two subs, four decisions. Knocked out in his third pro fight in round one. 110 on the minute mark by Paul Felder. At the uh, PFC Pittsburgh Challenge Series back in 2012. His other losses are by way of strikes, two in the first round, other two in the second round. So, you know, I think that, you know, I don't doubt that Bob could uh, come in there and strike, but, uh, you know, if the grappling is, just go where the fight leads you. You know, a lot of uh, fighters like him, who have the grappling and striking isn't bad. It's like they, they have to learn to go where the fight takes them. Don't force the issue. Now, starting out, the main event now is Sean Woodson, whose opponent now is Julian Erosa. So we'll, we'll see how this... Uh, See how this whole thing pans out. Sean, seven and zero, twenty-eight years old. Have him listed as six foot two, seventy-eight inch reach, according to uh, UFC stats. Forty-three percent striking accuracy, eighty-five percent takedown defense, seventy percent striking defense. The sniper is another alum, yet another alumni from the Contender Series. And look, look, look what's happening. You know whether they on the Contender Series or not, they still end up going in there against. Dangerous fighters. You know, so unfortunately these, you know, when you look at like a Kay Hansen or someone like that, and I know this is coming from like the the Macy Barber situation where you see these young up and coming talents, they want everyone to kind of be like a Amanda Hibas, where they're up and coming and they find their success and they're climbing up the ladder and then they make it up. And I look, I'm with you. I want to see someone on a twelve fight win streak you know, fight for the title or at least a win streak that matches the champion's win streak for sure. Don't want to see that. But hey, look, (laughs) it's just too many dangerous opponents out here. Just too many dangerous opponents out here. You know, majority of victories for Wilson by decision. Uh, One of his two kick... KO victories was by flying knee one minute, uh, 42 seconds round two over Terrence McKinney in the contender series. Uh, he does have a submission guillotine choke victory over Kevin Brown Jr. Uh, and Arosa had dropped down the featherweight to face Grant Dawson. So this is not new journey to him. Juicy J is six feet tall. Prior to his submission victory over A.J. Bryant, he was on a three-fight losing streak, 23-9. Overall, uh, lost via strikes five times, four decisions, two and three in his last five, two and four in the UFC. And uh, as far as I know, this is still at catch weight of 150 pounds. Next up, we have Maurice Green going up against Jean 
Vellante. Jean is 34 years old. He has fought at heavyweight before, okay, and won the Ring of Combat Vacant Heavyweight Championship back in 2010 before fighting at light heavyweight and winning that title in that promotion as well. And I know folks are like, whatever, man, this dude has the cardio of an old lady. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's it's sad. You know, there was a time when heavyweight and light heavyweight were the darlings of MMA, period, across the board. You want to see lights out action, it was heavyweight and light heavyweight. And, yeah, good times. <laughs> good times. Yeah. So, John is, uh, he's two and three in his last five. Seven and eight in the UFC. Ten victories via strikes. Two subs, five decisions. Coming off a loss by way of body cat, by way of body punches. He has five total losses by strikes. The rest of all by decision. Blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu under Matt Serra. Now, the thing to keep in mind, even though it probably won't matter, is that he is in the boys. NCAA Division Wrestling uh, uh, wrestler who placed third in the New York State Wrestling Championships. Uh, Senior year, he won at the weight of uh, 215 pounds. So, I mean, you know, why stand there and get your your face caved in by... Mr. Green. Also, this man was, uh, he was an NFL prospect. Even uh, got the attention of my uh, Philadelphia Eagles, which is uh, pretty cool. So, Maurice Green, 33 years old, six foot seven, also a blue belt in jiu-jitsu under Brock Larson. Oh, back to the Matt Sarah situation. Now, if Matt Sarah I don't know if he's going to be out there. Okay. I don't know if he's going to be out there. But one of the things that Master he isn't always great, but when he has a plan, it usually is pretty good. Okay. So, uh, yeah. So, of course, we watched. Oh, man. And Maurice Green. <sighs> man, I thought for sure he was going to take out Alexi. God, I thought for sure. Boy, I got that one wrong. Wrong, wrong, wrong. He got subbed at UFC 246 in January. Uh, he's on a two-fight skid. Three and two in his last five. Three and two in the UFC. Two wins via strikes. Four subs, two decisions. Only stopped via strikes once by Sergei Pavlovich. Other two losses by decision. Eight and four overall. The crochet boss, Les Left Factor X um, and headed to Albuquerque. Uh, and he currently trains with Juan Adams and a few other heavyweights over there, uh, over at um, Jackson Wink. So that's key. That's key right there. Usually they're pretty good with coming up with a plan. Uh, so hopefully he'll have a plan going in. You know, there's a good team over there. 
so we'll see what happens. So going to take uh, a break right here and continue with the rest of the main card. Okay, so continuing with the breakdown of UFC 12, the main event, we have Brendan Allen going up against Philly, baby. Kyle Dacus, baby, 9-0, 27 years old. Apparently, he's replacing Ian Heinish, softball. 67% significant strikes. Believes he's superior on the ground to Brendan Allen. Uh, six foot three, seventy-six inch reach. Out of Martinez B. J. J. MMA. Out of Philly. Yes, indeed. Uh, four and five as an amateur, making his UFC debut with. The exception of one decision, all his victories had came by way of submission. Brendan Allen, 24 years old, fighting at middleweight against uh, Kyle. 77-inch reach, 6'2", according to Tapology. Six-fight win streak, three in the UFC, starting on, started on the Contender Series back in 2019. All in, as he's called, went 5-0 and as an amateur. As a pro, he he wins primarily by submission as well. Eight victories in all. Five stoppages via strikes. One decision lost. Once only by submission. Two by decision. Fourteen in all. Fourteen and three overall. Now he likes to move forward. Uh, you know, again. Usually when two, here we go with two grapplers again. Two, usually when two grapplers are in there, we see a striking fist. But I'm, and I'm, I don't know about Kyle making it all the way through. And I do wonder if we have another situation like we did with, uh, with so many wrestlers before where, you know, one person is just getting blasted and there's the question of them, the fight being stopped. Brendan Allen is a minus 325, a huge favor in this matchup. I think he's the biggest, I think this is the biggest gap throughout the entire card. And Kyle is a plus 250 for a reason. The thing is, though, Kyle is dangerous. He is dangerous on the ground. He could score a sub, you know. So, yeah, I, I would just, if you're going to slide some change on an underdog, it will be Kyle, but I do expect um, that it will probably be a one-sided affair. But the thing is, they both remember they're both grapplers. But I would think that Brendan Allen would be the superior striker between the two. But also keep in mind that Kyle does have Muay Thai as a background, so he's he's not like striking is alien to him. Okay. And next up. <laughs> Next up, oh my goodness. Next up. <laughs> so, Mike Perry, so he's asked, uh, I believe it was MMA Junkie, so he, he's on an, in an interview. Asked him, you know, he got his girlfriend as his trainer. So how did the training camp go? Which I thought was a stupid question. If his girlfriend is as trained as his trainer, 
and coach, how else would his training go? He spent it in the bedroom or in the back of his car or whatever. So he says that part of his can't, once he said he went back down to Florida, I knew it was going to go downhill from there. So a Florida man, he, uh, it was like, he said like he spent time watching the Ratu <laughs> and uh, 90210. And then he basically walked around. I don't, he, I don't remember him even saying he sparred with anybody. It was ridiculous. It was, he basically said what you expect Mike Perry to do, which is wander around, wander around and watch TV. This is this fight is going to be an absolute train wreck. Okay. Because even Mickey Gall, uh, you know, if he can't get someone a submission attempt, the thing about Mike Perry now, all jokes aside, he is a purple belt. He's supposed to be a purple belt in jujitsu. So, I mean, Mickey is a black belt, but still, we've seen purple belts, uh, black belts before. The thing about Mickey, and you know, you talk about brain function. I mean, I hate to be harsh because it's not supposed to be an opinion. It's supposed to be me just giving you all the facts, okay? But, uh, yeah, when it comes to planning, these two aren't the type to plan for anything, Okay. Mickey is a uh, six and two. Mike Perry is thirteen and six. <sighs> Mike Perry is the favorite at a minus one forty six. Mickey Gall is a plus one twenty four. Yeah, you know, I, I try to be professional, guys. I, I truly do. I, I truly do my best to try and be professional on here, but um, I, I'm gonna move on. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Look, if you want to bet on that, uh, may the force be with you. Okay, I, I just, I, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I should, I should, I know I should, but uh, I can't, uh, I can't waste my time with those two. I'm sorry. How can I be professional if they're not professional? You know, it's, anyway, let's get to this main event. And that's the cold main. <laughs> uh I'm sorry. I apologize. I, I'm, I know I'm supposed to be professional. Now, vintage, I'll say this. Vintage Mike Perry. Whatever that was. Um, no, seriously. Vintage Mike, vintage Mike Perry should be able to knock Mickey Gall completely out. This should actually be a one-sided fight, honestly. Because Mickey... He's not really that, you know, again, from a technical standpoint. Now, you know, Mickey is a lot sharper on the ground than uh, Mike Perry, but he has to, he can't just dive in and do the single leg for dear life. Not against Mike Perry. Mike isn't slow with his hands. He could certainly easily, can, now I don't know about this version of Mike Perry. This Mike version of Mike Perry might lose by decision because he's getting out grappled on the ground. But a vintage Mike Perry within his mindset with the Platinum Princess there and actual trainers and all that kind of stuff, he should not. Mickey Gall is out. Okay, may not be the first round, but definitely the second round. Not him clean out. Okay, this version, I, who knows? Who in the world knows? Because the thing is, how much prep did Mickey, Mickey Gall have? And if he has a plan, he's going to stick to it. Like if he does do a single leg for life where he does try to take Mike Perry's back and it doesn't go the way that he thinks it's going to go, then what does he do? Because he's an individual once you shut down his jiu-jitsu, what does he do? 
Anyway, let's move on to a black belt in jiu-jitsu who actually knows who he's doing, who's always in shape, and that is Dustin the Diamond Poirier. Ranked number three in the lightweight division, 11 in the UFC men's pound-for-pound rankings. Okay, and he's a black belt under Tim Credure. 12 finishes via strike, 7 submissions, 6 decisions. Out of his 6 losses, 2 by way of KO, 2 subs, 2 decisions, and 1 no contest. Coming off a loss, of course, to the Eagle, the world champion. No shame in that at all at UFC 242. Now, the thing that concerns me is that was Diamond's last fight. And that was all the way back in September 7, 2019. Uh, so that concerns me. It reminds me of Tyron Woodley. You know, coming back after having so much time off, I don't know. Now, I consider him to be one of the best strikers in the UFC, period. But uh, a long layoff, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, four and one in this uh Last five, Diamond. If Diamond stays in the UFC until 2021, he'd have been there for 10 years. Whoo! 17 and 5 in the UFC, by the way. Dan Hooker. Dan the Hangman Hooker is 20 and 8. Six feet tall with a 75-inch reach. Blue belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which will mean absolutely nothing in this contest. Ten finishes via strikes. Seven subs of his own now. But again, it won't mean anything in this matchup. <laughs> Three decisions. Finished once via strikes by you-know-who. <laughs> uh, okay, got to keep it professional. Got to keep it professional. Two losses by a submission, five by decision. Now, okay, <clears throat> he is former Australian fighting supremacy, former Australian fighting and supremacy fighting lightweight champion. 4-1 in his last five, 10-4 in the UFC. He's currently ranked at number five at lightweight. He is also... Former King of the Ring middleweight kickboxing champion and I believe it's KWKAF X Rules welterweight champion. SFC South Pacific lightweight champion. Who? <laughs> That's a mouthful. I don't warm myself out. All right. In spite of all those accolades, Dan Hooker is obviously the plus 160 uh, underdog, as he should be. He is lower ranked. He did not get finished fighting for the championship title. Dustin Poirier, minus 200 favorite. Alrighty, then this matchup here is the one that everyone is talking about. That long layoff concerns me, even for someone who always stays as sharp as a diamond. Dan Hangman Hooker is coming in there. You know, he 
again, look at the accolades. He's known as a uh, proficient striker. I am. I'm, I'm concerned for Diamond in this matchup. Now, to me, you know, I said that, you know, because the way Dan talks, because, again, plan, plan. Dan doesn't seem like he has much of a plan. Okay, he seems like he doesn't have, you know, use his brain much at all. But, you know, that's the thing about him. You know, what's his plan going in? He'd rather spend time cracking, you know, disrespecting other fighters who he can't say uh, his words online to those fighters' faces. I'm like, if you've got something to say to a fighter, say it to their face. Uh, but he is the fresher fighter. I mean, he's coming off a, a good war with Paul Felder that many, you know, that was split decision for a good reason that many felt that it was actually Paul Felder who won, not Dan Hooker. But he's a fresher fighter, you know, having come off that uh, victory uh, this past February. And he's on a three-fight win streak. So, you know, it's, uh, you know what I mean? And, and one of his victims was Gilbert Burns. But, of course, Gilbert primarily is a grappler who just made leaps and bounds. Gilbert Burns is another example of that's the, the best way to learn is by being in that octagon, not through a contender series, not through some sort of developmental program of any kind, being in that octagon against the best. And he was able to put away, you know, and again, he put away grapplers like Jim Miller and Gilbert Burns, but still, um, that's the best way to do it. You know what I mean? So I am concerned, though, that when he goes up against someone, I mean, Paul Felder, he, he, bar he barely got past Pell. He really didn't get past well, many believe they didn't really truly get past Paul Felder. So my concern about Dan Hooker is that when he goes up against someone, I mean, James Vick, Al Quanta, Luquinta isn't, you know, uh, he's, a, he's a great great striker. That went to unanimous decision. But, uh, and Paul Felder also is, but he barely got past Paul Felder. That's my point. When he goes against someone who's elite, he's barely getting past him. And he got destroyed by Barbosa. And that was only like two years ago. So, you know, not like it was 10 or five years ago. So I'm concerned James Vick, that doesn't count. So, yeah, and then like I said, you know, Gilbert's grappler, primarily a grappler. Jim Miller's primarily a grappler. So, you know, he, that concerns me. That concerns me. He couldn't beat Yar, Yar Rodriguez. Now, that was a long time ago. That was back in 2015. But still, you know, you see the pattern with him. You know, so, yeah, um, again, I'm worried about Dustin being sharp. So I don't, I'm not going to rule out Dan Hooker, but generally speaking, a 100% uh, fully prepared, uh, and I hope that Diamond doesn't take Dan Hooker for granted or take him lightly, but yeah, a well-prepared Diamond should completely outclass Dan Hooker on the feet and sub him. <laughs> Either way, either way, you know, he beats Dan Hooker on the, on the ground every day and twice on Sunday. You know, so that's what I uh, think about that. But I, I, I'm not, I would slide some, I know it sounds crazy, but I would slide some change on. And, that's, and when I say slide some change, I don't mean thousands of dollars, for God's sake. Some of these, you know, some of these folks, man, they place in these bets is 5,000, 1,000, like, two, four units, and then they're doing a live betting. Man, listen. <laughs> you know, 
yeah, no. I mean, no, 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 no. When I say slide some change, you know, like like if you're doing a line bet for say 200, slide 50. You know, I mean, when I say slide some change, like that, just in case, so that you can at least break even. I know a lot of people are like, no, 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 put it all in because you're trying to win, but then you lose and you're leaving a lot of money on the table. All right, if you start sliding some change for the underdogs, and like, cause so, look at the last card. Look at the last card. You know, a bunch of underdogs winning on that card, whether they're a slight underdog or a huge underdog. It was more under, you know, just as many underdog wins as there were favorites. And even the favorites are having problems. You know, a lot of people do the favorite and then they do the parlay for a sub, sub or a knockout because I don't think decision for the most part garners another a lot of pay, a good payday. Yeah, so, yeah, but when I say slide some change, like if you're, you know what I mean? Like, it, or say like you are, you know, doing 5,000, you know, slide 100 on the underdogs, 50, 100, you know. Maybe try to parlay with that or do a separate one. What you gotta you gotta diversify the portfolio there. Don't put everything on and then you lose and then you're wondering why. Because the the bottom line is this is so different than the fights of the past. Everyone keeps thinking about the past, the past, the past. Yeah, we want this again and want that again. We need this match up here. I don't even do that no more. All that oh who we or even participate in uh yeah, this is who you need to schedule next. Says who? <laughs> are they still are they COVID nineteen free? Nah, we're seeing fighters who, if their trainers test positive, they don't fight. We're seeing fights depending on the division. When a person comes overweight, that fight could get canceled. We saw that with strawweight, where fights are completely canceled. There is no uh, get you know find, and the opponent who comes in on weight gets that purse thirty percent or twenty percent of that person's purse. We don't, some divisions are not playing it at all. You come in too heavy, nine times out of ten, particularly in straw weight, they're, they're canceling the fight completely. So all that, this is what, I mean, we want to fantasize. Nothing wrong with that at all. But, yeah, you just don't know what the situation is going to be, and we just don't know what, this is just a different situation. And... You know, Fight Island, Yaz Island is going to be a whole different ball game. That whole entire card and all those cards that they have going to have over there will probably be an absolute disaster. Different time zone, different area, less prey. Yeah, remember these fighters have less. They usually have some kind of. They're used to a system during the week that they no longer have because they have to get tested. And not only do they have to get tested, whoever's with them has to get tested okay so that's you know then there's the whole situation where they're supposed to be practicing social distancing everything's different now no crowds like everything is just so different now than a lot of these fighters are used to so that's why we're getting you know a lot of some fights have been pretty much as we expected thankfully you know, a lot of fights went by, you know went cl through clockwork even with fighters who are coming in after only after fighting a few weeks prior, you know, um, so, or even maybe, what was it? I think Hannah Cyphers, what was that? Like two weeks or something like that? You know, f literally filling in at the last minute in a different weight class, you know, which is crazy. So that's another thing too, you know what I mean? Like she still looked to me, 
she could have had a year's worth of prep, she still would have lost that fight. So, you know, it's not her being exhausted from fighting. A lot of these fighters who've been, you know, filling in last minute coming off of uh, previous fights have still looked good. Have still looked very sharp. Uh, like uh, Keller, for instance. Still looks sharp. You know, still look great, still look sharp. And a lot of them, you know, that's nothing. Not only do you get better by fighting someone who, uh, you know, fighting frequently, but, you know, fighting in the UFC itself and going against the best, learning from the best that way, but frequently fighting, I think that helps a lot of fighters also when they're in there frequently. I believe that's why, I truly do believe that that's why Anderson Silva was so dominant for so long because he stayed active. When fighters become inactive, to me, it, it, it's a bad thing. You know, it's a bad thing. But that concludes this breakdown. That concludes this entire episode. I hope you guys are out there staying safe, staying positive, staying vigilant. Appreciate every single day. Celebrate it like it's your last. Take care. This has been MMA by Milligan. Don't forget to check me out. If you haven't already, it's usually my, you know, all my f- friends from Twitter on here listen to the episode. Anyway, you guys already have all the information. But if there's anyone who is new, don't forget. Check me out on, uh, you know, put that alert on, especially for Twitter. Um, there is a link there to the personal page. Uh, the Instagram is pretty pretty tame <laughs> you know, instagram is pretty tame uh but yeah you can check me out on instagram it's the exact same thing just type in the name you'll find me there take care